Hello, everyone. Welcome to Small Biz Tips. So this gentleman, I know him for now, oh, God, seven years? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he is an amazing person to know, super resourceful. I've learned so much from this man. I had to bring him back in a podcast. Albert, what's up, man? How are you? <laughs> what's up, Joubert? Looking good, my man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Albert, before we get the ball rolling, right, I'm sure the people want to know, people that that's new to my channel, um, who is Albert? So let's start there. <laughs> okay. So Albert is a 30-plus year business owner mm. who made a pivot about 12 years ago mm -hmm. and uh, got into the world of mergers and acquisitions. And it was the strangest thing. I never thought about going into this field. I never imagined I would do it. But it became a natural because in mm -hmm. my career, I had made so many of the mistakes that I talk about and that I see out there in the merger and acquisition world. So I, I had businesses very early on. I was a hotshot, yeah. as I think you know. <laughs> and I, I left so much money on the table because I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. Um, I, I, I knew how to sell. I knew how to grow. But beyond that, you know, nobody really instructs you about, you know, growing the business value versus yes. growing the business. I was focused on growing the business. Um, so I, I very succinctly tell people what I ended up doing was creating a monster. Uh. I had this massive business that only I could control. Nobody else. Wow. And nobody would touch it because it was such it, it was such a monster. How I, big was I the was, business? Not because of the business. The business was very good. I was in uh, computers and consumer electronics, high, uh -huh. high, high uh, dollar item products, okay. low margin, high volume. Gotcha. So my strategy was just sell more. You know, yeah. just keep keep pumping, keep pumping. So my sales were incredible, um, but my margin never grew. And mm. what was the really the 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 key takeaway was when I went from about. 3 million in sales to 5 million in sales, uh -huh. my earnings went down. That's not right. <laughs> that's, that's not right. Amen. So, you know, where, and, and that's because I didn't focus on expenses. I didn't focus on, um, you know, the earnings. I was focused on the top line, the revenue. Gotcha. And I needed that revenue to support the merry-go-round of buying from vendors and keeping about yeah. 2 million in inventory and rotating that. So all of those lessons I learned in my early twenties, wow! So years later, uh, I was—I uh, had kids, and I wanted to be more involved in my kids' lives, mm -hmm. and I wanted to get away from what I was doing, which was a wholesale distribution business. And um, in that process, I met up with Kensington, and in that yeah. process, they came to me and they said, "Whoa, we never met anyone quite like you. Why don't you join us?" And my reaction, Gilbert—I swear to God, my reaction. Would you want me to be a broker? What are you kidding me? <laughs> these, these people have no ethics. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea what's going on. You want me to do that? Mm. And but I came to see it as a very, very honorable thing. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's amazing the power of when you own your own business and you're speaking to a business owner as a yeah. contemporary versus you know some consultant. Yeah. It's a very different thing. Yeah, because you, know, you got I, the background. I, yeah, so I, I ask him, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> what, 
why are you making yourself crazy? Is this what you really want? I mean, what mm -hmm. do you want as an mm -hmm. owner? And and there's ways to get there and and there's ways to look at business um, that people just uh, don't teach you. They just don't I, teach you. I love this story because um, there's so many entrepreneurs right now, especially with technology and right after the COVID era that are getting super successful with their business and they're very young, right? They're in their yeah. early 20s and they're killing it. They're doing 5 million, 10 million. But the same problem you mentioned, a lot of them are running into it, right? Top line is looking amazing, but that, you know, that that earning, that cash flow, that profit, it, that margin it doesn't look so good. <laughs> so, the, the, so that question has exactly what to do with, with what I spoke about and wrote about the mm -hmm. last time we spoke, which was, where are you going? Yeah. Like, where are you going with your business? What's the plan? I mean, do you have an idea of what you want ultimately? And when you get some level of awareness as a business owner of really what the goal is, mm -hmm. then you start to think about, well, okay, if my goal is selling the business, if that's really what I'm thinking about, so why don't I orient the business to those buyers? So yeah. that the yeah. things that I... Because the difference between two businesses, they could have the exact same revenue. They can have the exact same product that they're selling or marketing. And the difference could be night and day in terms of valuation. And that difference is the way the owner is running that business. Mm. You know, if, they, if they're running that business in a way that enables the new person to step in and yeah. run with it, that's great. You generally, you, you get more for that business. If they're running it in a way like I did which the only person who could run it is Albert, then, <laughs> then you're leaving money on the table. And so, so, so you got to get business owners to start thinking a little bit about their plan, their goal. What, what's the vision for the business? I, I got a couple questions for you, right? And, sure, go right uh, ahead. Uh, anything you throw at me, I'm ready. For <laughs> I know like entrepreneurs that's listening to this probably asking us, okay, the way you run this business, um, as a broker and you've been in that space, you've seen all type of companies being sold. Give us an example of like maybe a vertical where you've seen somebody killing it by the way they run it and they got a really nice exit. And one where, you know, when they came to you, it, they thought they had a great business because they're making money, but it wasn't. So tell us more about like those two stories. Um, You know, one, how did they do it? What's the vertical? You don't need to say the name of the business. What was sure. it like? And then the other one, the whole opposite. Sure. So I... I... I can give you six examples, but we, we don't have time. So I'll try to just a couple that I think your listeners will, will really appreciate. Um, businesses that have a heavy inventory component or have a heavy component of um, what they call capital intensive. Okay. Meaning they need a lot of cash. A lot of cash needs to be on the street. You need to house a lot of inventory, or maybe you need a lot of heavy equipment to make that revenue. Gotcha. Don't sell as well as businesses that are lighter. And so here I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the point. Yeah. I'm in contract right now on a business that sells for about 1.5 million in revenue. They have, uh -huh. you know, that that's how much their sales are, and and they earn. Six to seven hundred thousand on that revenue. Okay. Zero inventory. Mm. Service base. You, no, not service base. It, it, it's a business that personalizes product. So, okay. but 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 the, so we have a lot of companies that are in that business, like the promotional space. 
Gotcha. Right? So they'll sell, they'll sell, they'll sell you pens. They'll sell you uh, things, and they, you know, with your company's logo on it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. These guys have a niche in the uh, luxury market, so oh. high-end leather jackets, high-end uh, nice. Apple Apple Macintosh products, high-end, a lot of diverse products, but high-end. The things that a corporation, like let's say you're Boeing, and you really yeah. want to give your clients something special. Yeah. So you'll spend whatever, $500, dollars on a really lovely leather attache case or something like yeah. that. So these people, the niche is the, the, the customer will send the product to this company. Uh -huh. The company will personalize it, Got it. And, send, and send it back. So it is a service business, but zero inventory. Huh. And um, very... Very low cash needs. They yeah, don't, you know, they're not, they're not fronting a lot of money. They're not holding a lot of inventory. Yeah. They don't need heavy equipment. So that business traded very well. Got traded it. Traded very well, uh, as compared to uh, another business uh, in the, the distribution space that I also sold, which sold for even they did three million dollars in revenue. Mm -hmm. But to do that three million dollars in revenue. You needed a million in inventory. Mm. You needed about a million dollars on the street, meaning you you got to give terms, sixty days, yeah. ninety day terms until yeah, you yeah. can collect. Down payable, and down and payable. and you needed money to procure the goods from overseas. So oh, three wow. million dollars in inventory, earning the same amount, six seven hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, but I need two and a half million, maybe even three million dollars just to operate that business. Mm, I see. Very, very low valuation. <laughs> and we basically, we, we we sold it. We got him out for the value of the inventory. Oh, wow. And, so it's like an asset-based sale. Asset-based sale. And the, th the seller couldn't be more thrilled saying thank you because when do you ever get that inventory out? When do you ever yeah. take, when do you ever get a million dollars of inventory and turn it into liquidity? Never. So... Mm -hmm. That's an example of two similar businesses, one trading so much higher than the other one, just by virtue of the fact of the space that they're in. Yeah. Now you say, well, look, they're in that space, you know, that, that that's the nature of the business. I won't debate that, yes. But this business owner who does the personalization could have gone the other way and you know, been in the business of stocking 10,000 hats. And, you know, selling that, but they chose to specialize, they chose to niche, and they chose a certain path to the business. You know, the the distributor, what could they possibly do as a business to turn yeah. that ship? Is there some kind of proprietary product that they uh -huh. could bring in that's only theirs, that they could sell at higher margin? Is there some kind of recurring revenue component, some kind of contract, some kind of way that they could um, reduce the cash needs of that business. And, and, and if I'm a, a seller and I'm in that distribution business, I have to seriously be thinking about that five years out, 10 years out, because you mm. can't turn that ship on a dime. Yeah. Wow. No, that, that's, that's valuable because a lot of us, we, we don't think that far out. We don't even think sometimes that we're going to sell the business. So Most people who come to me, it's, I, I'm ready. Then okay, we'll sell, but it is what it is. Nothing we can yeah. change. Yeah. 
Now, what would you, like you mentioned a few things here, right? Recurring revenue, making some type of contract is in place, making sure that the owner can run the business without them being in the business, yes. right? Like you remember you that have, one. Say again? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you remember that one. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, do you do do you kind of have like one of those um checklists when when you go when owners coming to you um and said okay I'm ready to sell that you go through and make sure that they meet all those or you kind of like how do you make sure you engage with those so owners? so here here's the magic the magic okay. is you know most businesses have some combination of something a couple of things that are really good and a few things that are not so good uh -huh. because they didn't think about it. And and so the magic that we do is when a business owner comes to me and says, I'm ready to sell, I'm working with what they have. Gotcha. So uh, my real job is to go in there and find the value. So maybe they don't have the recurring revenue. Maybe the owner is too, too involved in the business. Maybe they have heavy cash flow needs. Does that mean that somebody won't want them? Mm. So I've got to find really what they have of value and then identify who would it be valuable to gotcha right so what buyer would pay for those attributes and then i try to make those connections you know you could have a business gilbert that's losing money yeah but you know what their customer list is very valuable got it and or the you know where they distribute is very valuable yeah you know so company b would love to grab that those customers or or you know that the distribution because they don't need all the other expenses and they could take just the good stuff get rid of the stuff that's duplicate and they have something very powerful in an acquisition so the the ultimately the answer is from when i talk to business owners is one don't assume your business is not sellable mm. let a professional look at it because okay. you, you don't know and two don't assume your business is worth the sky it might not be let us look at it let us figure it out because in the end it's not what i say it's not what you say it's what yeah. the market will bear the yeah. market yeah. determines the price but let's talk more about the buyer side now right because sellers you mentioned hey you got to build the business with the intention to sell so you got to have the right mindset you got to make sure that all these things are in place now you also mentioned being able to pair them with the right buyer Right. So tell us more about the different level of bias. Right. Because we know there's bias like you and I, but there's also institutional bias. So talk to us about the tiers of bias that you've seen in the marketplace from that one man show to, you know, the big boys. Yeah. And, and, and if you look at the market today, Gilbert, because interest rates have gone up, mm -hmm. who's, who's, who is being squeezed out? You and I are being squeezed out. Mm. Like, you know, we want to buy because, Costs us more. We don't have the yeah. resources. The loan is more, yeah. But who is killing it? It's those institutional buyers. And we're talking about, I'll give you the tiers. You got family offices, uh -huh. search funds, uh, private equity companies, public companies, right? There's four gotcha. tiers. So family office could be a, a wealthy family. They've got money in the market. They've got disposable income and they want a better return. Right. Okay. The market will give you five to 10 percent, whatever it is. They don't have the stomach to do stuff with hedge funds mm -hmm. for maybe a higher percentage. So they so they hire really smart guys from the best business schools who mm -hmm. know how to analyze a company. And they say, OK, here's five million dollars. Go 
purchase businesses and go figure out how to run them and go put it together and, and bring me value. That's mm -hmm. a family office, right? Got it. Managing family funds. Next step is a search fund where you've got the, the, again, these smart people who know how to analyze businesses, who have a group of investors that say, when you find something good, I'm in. And they have verbal commitments. This yeah. guy for 10 million, this guy for 20 million, this guy for, and they're out there looking for the right businesses. And it's usually they're looking for two or three businesses that they can put together. Gotcha. Um, th those guys are called search funds. Then you have the private equity companies. Uh -huh. Private equity companies are professional money managers who have all of this money from these various uh, wealthy investors uh -huh. whose job it is to go out and build a lot of value. So rather than managing one family's money, they're managing money yeah. for 30, 40, 50 families. Gotcha. And, you know, big names in private equity, Blackstone, you know, people yeah. like that are the bigger guys yeah. that you hear about. So the the area that your listeners uh, are in and, and the people I talk to are usually the businesses are too small for the private equity companies. Uh -huh. But guess what? Private equity companies all have portfolio companies. These are yeah. the $100, $200 million companies that they purchased. And now they look for add-ons to those companies. Gotcha. So, so they'll take a million dollar company, a two million dollar. If it makes sense, they'll throw it in there and build it and build it. So we talk to all of these people. And mm. um, and this is what I mean when I, I talk about orienting your business. No, who is your customer? Yeah. If if your customer is one of those guys, there really are things you need to do as a business in terms of how you keep your financials, um, how you how you run your company if you want to be attractive to them and why do you want to be attractive to them? They pay the highest multiples. Mm. Yeah. 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 I get it. You, you also mentioned public company, right? So, sure. So you mentioned public company as the, the top tiers of top tiers. So tell us a bit more about that. Is it, they have a private equity team or they're no, well, no public companies have generally a lot of money because they went public. They raised a lot of money from individuals yeah. and they usually have an internal business development acquisition team that looks for acquisitions gotcha. and they and they have the power to either buy the acquisition with cash or they can offer shares because they're public yeah which sometimes is very powerful when like when we, we're bidding versus uh, a company that's going to buy it for money versus a company that's buying it for stock mm. it's a very powerful thing because of tax structure because of when you can sell those shares and, and all that. So, you know, if if you could be attractive to a public company, nothing better. Uh, let us talk a bit more about that, right? Because you said something here, tax structure. A lot of people thinking, okay, I have this business, I'm growing it to 5 million and I'm going to sell it for cash and get, you know, $10 million all cash. You mentioned something here about the tax structure when you get acquired by a company that's focused more on stocks and equity. Then cash. Tell us more about that. <laughs> okay, so Gilbert, the message is you need your professionals, mm. right? If you're thinking of selling your company, how are you not talking to your accountant about what your tax liability is going to be when you sell that company? Gotcha. And you'd be surprised how many business owners have no idea that if they sell for $10 million, they might have to pay 30, 32%, 35% in tax. 
Yeah. So that 10 million is 7 million <laughs> like that. So again, it's why you talk to the professionals. There are things you can do as a business um, that you work out with your accountant and your financial planner to mitigate that. Uh-huh. Um, so, but one of those things is you only get taxed when you take the money, right? Okay. If I if I if I owe you the money, you don't pay tax on it. You pay when you when you get it. Yeah, like so, a note. <laughs> like a note, like an earnout, like some kind of deferral strategy. There's all kinds of things um, that the financial planners and the accountants can put in place. I don't want to talk about that because yeah. it's not what I do, but I know of them and I know that the business owner needs to be thinking about it so that they're not surprised. Maybe, you know, let's say their sale is $5 million and they planned out their retirement. They know they need $5 million to retire, but oh. they didn't count on the fact that they're going to pay 35% in taxes. Oh. Well, that, that that just threw a monkey wrench into the whole thinking. And, it, and it's preventable, right? You There are things you need to know about these things before you, you know, uh, you go down that line. But even if you never plan and you didn't know, and um, it is what it is, there's still things you can do. Yeah. Right. There's things called opportunity zones. You've heard about 1031 exchange. Yes. Yes. So, so that's going away for real estate and for business. But there's places like known as opportunity zones, meaning if you invest money in the opportunity zone, you can defer the taxes for a period of time. You know, there's a lot more rules to it, but there's there's something called defers, deferred sales trusts. Okay. So you take the money, put it into a trust, trust, let somebody invest it. You're still, they have to invest it according to your wishes. But yeah. You need that independence. And that defers you paying tax on that wow. money because you didn't take the money. You put it in a trust. Yeah, that's, that's, that is golden, my friend. Yeah, uh, there's lots of stuff like that. <laughs> now, I love it. So, uh, we're running out of time. We may have to have you come back for a third time. <laughs> Anytime. And, and you know, there's no, there's, I have no shortage of conversation topics. So, but, but, but I just, I, again, I want to tell you, cause it's just so important. It's the market. It's the market. It's the market. It's the market. We do not know as smart as I think I am. I do not know what a company is going to sell for until we get out there and we see what the market says, uh, right? Uh, and so, so very often we could talk about a lot of this stuff and, and ultimately, you know, the market will reward you or the market won't reward you. Yeah. But your chances are better for a better outcome if you've planned. Before I let you go, two more questions, right? When yeah, we're sure. talking about the market, I want people to really grab this. So let's say they have a business that's doing, you know, X amount of dollars and they're 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 asking prices maybe two million. You guys put it out in the market and they're not getting an offer for two million, they're getting an offer for a million. Is that what you mean when you said the market? Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah, I want people to fully understand it. <laughs> that, that means that means you know I showed it to you and you said, "How is this worth two million? I think this is only worth a million. I'm going to offer a million. Gotcha. You know, now this so, is fantastic. Um, so how do how do people get in touch with you, right? Because you you put you put out some amazing content. You know, you in our newsletter, Elevation Circle newsletter, people love your content. 
they're opening it. So how do people get in touch with you if they're thinking about selling their business or they're like, okay, I'm, I'm not selling my business right now, but I want to start preparing myself for it. Or they're thinking about, I want to find out what my business is actually value. Like, how do they get in touch with you? <laughs> so the, the, the best way is to shoot me an email. Mm -hmm. It's Albert, A-L-B-E-R-T, at kensingtoncompany.com. Mm -hmm. uh, just the way it sounds. When I reply, I offer anybody a 20-minute consultation, no charge. They can book an appointment with me on Calendly, and I'm gotcha. happy to have the conversation. If yeah. I can help orient them in any way, I'm happy to do that because I believe in, in karma. Uh, I believe it always comes back. So, yeah. um, and and uh, that that's that's the best way. So either that or my my phone, which is five one six six two six two two one one. Fantastic. Guys, reach out to Albert. He is amazing. He knows what he's talking about. An expert in a space. Thank you for jumping on and we'll see you next time. Anytime, Gilbert. Thank you. Take care.